This podcast replay is brought to you by RedRecover.com. From NFL stars like Hayden Hurst to daily warriors like yourself, their wraps and pads are designed to deliver maximum benefits with each treatment anywhere you go. And we're back for our final segment of our weekly Wednesday, 9 a.m. Eastern time. RedRecover.com inside the paint. I'm Ira Winderman from the South Florida Sun Sentinel here in Fort Lauderdale. He's Kurt Heelan from Pro Basketball Talk, NBCSports.com. Out in the Los Angeles area, if you missed either of our first two segments here, you can catch them on all podcast outlets on the Big O Show. Big O will be back from the NFL Combine. He'll be rating players 1 through 900 at the top of the hour, so you're going to want to catch that. I want to throw it back to Kurt Heelan. We talked about this at the end of the last segment. I think this is an issue. I think Kurt was downplaying it. Kurt Heelan, if Joel Embiid goes out early in the playoffs again, the only time he really had a chance for a deep playoff run was when Kawhi Leonard hit that corner three-pointer that eliminated, eliminated them against the Toronto Raptors. After he lost last season in the second round against the Heat, he said, we need to get tougher. They brought in P.J. Tucker. He also mentioned possibly joining Jimmy Butler. Those two were close. There was no falling out there. It was other players with Jimmy in Philadelphia. Do you think that Joel Embiid could be that player? In other words, you know the mindset of players. There were certain players who were unhappy, groused behind the scenes, never go public. And there's Kyrie Irving. And there's other players like that. And then there's middle ground players like Kevin Durant, who try to make it seem as in the situation is forcing his hand. But you know behind the scenes he's pushing. Philadelphia 76ers go out in the first or second round this year. You're writing pro basketball talk. You're sitting there all juicy. You're sort of slobbering like your dog there. (laughs) What do you think would happen with Joel Embiid and the off-season chatter if the 76ers don't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? Uh, There'd be a lot of interest in teams. I think there'd be a lot of teams reaching out and checking because, look, every team, Ira, you know this, the Heat have it. All 30 teams have this. There's a list. Maybe some teams keep it in a drawer. There's a list of, hey, Who's the next superstar? Who's the next guy who might be on the move? Bradley Beal's been on that list. There's other guys who sit on uh, Zach Levine's been on that list. Durant has been on the list for years. Yeah. Yeah. You could perpetually. Um, yeah. They wrote him in Sharpie on the whiteboard. It's they're not wiping it off. Um, Joel Embiid's on that list. That's a guy. A lot of teams are watching, um, especially your old neck of the woods in New York. There are a lot of people up there keeping an Always eye on him. New York, even without Mark Berman at the post. Yes, I agree with yes, that. Exactly. There are a lot of people. So there's a lot of people watching to see if he just does become unhappy enough to think that, hey, I can't win here. I know that they can win in Miami. Or, or you know, maybe, maybe he chooses New York. Maybe he does something else. But he decides the grass is greener somewhere else. And again, close to Jimmy. And an... If he's leaving Philly, he's going to go to an organization where he believes the organization can get him there, and certainly that he'd have that track record. So let's say I put together a Heat deal that includes Bam Adebayo, and for argument's sake, Tyler Hero. So again, there would be other moving parts there. I see that's yeah. your chagrin. Yet I think most of the people here would agree that if the Heat can make an, an Embiid move, they would have to. Yeah. If you are left just with Jimmy and Joel Embiid, is that enough to build around to compete in the Giannis Jason Tatum Eastern Conference? You're going to need to make some really smart moves around them. You're going to need some depth and versatility, but yes, I think that those are two guys. Here's the challenge, I think, right? With both of them, you're going to get 60 to 65 games in the regular season. You're going to have to find a way to be good enough over that stretch 
and over the regular season and have guys who can step up so that when you hit the playoffs healthy, you know, you're rolling, that everything's clicking and then you're really dangerous. But that's the concern is that those guys are, you know, I know Joel Embiid's playing a little, playing more this year. I should probably knock him, but I think that that ultimately you go into this thinking we've got to target the postseason and we've got to find a way to get regular season wins. But that said, yes, in the postseason, those two guys can can take you a long, long way. And I agree when the game slows. I wanted to get to that as the long-term perspective because I do think, especially with the Heat playing Philly tonight, that can come into play. See, Dalla asked today, he says, today is the buyout deadline. Yes, March 1st is and isn't. People get this confused. A player must be waived by March 1st to be playoff eligible for another team's roster. That's why you saw the Will Barton move recently by the Wizards. That's why you saw the Goran Dragic move yesterday by the Chicago Bulls. However, if a player is waived by March 1st, he can be signed any time up till the April 9th season finale, the day before or just before your team's final regular season game, to be playoff eligible. So right now, the market is really slowed. Matter of fact, some of the names we thought might be going somewhere, like a Serge Ibaka, remain there out on the market. Other teams have rushed to pull people. Will Barton goes from Washington, boom. He's in Toronto like that. They get that taken care of. The Terrence Rosses, the Danny Greens, the um, Kevin Loves for the Miami Heat. Those yeah. guys are taken care of. Kern, are we pretty much done on the buyout market? Or when you're sitting there for a pro basketball talk, are you going to sort of keep refreshing out every now and then seeing until the waiver deadline tonight, do you think there could be others coming free? Or do you think since the trade deadline is so early these days, February 9th, that now by March 1st is pretty much settled down? I think it's pretty much settled down. I don't know of a – I mean, who's out there that we talked about is, oh, that's a guy who could be really big on the market that didn't we didn't see already. Um, I mean, there have been – Derek Rose is not having this. Con- I don't know how much he helps, but no, he's, I mean, he's not playing in New York. But he's, but he's not. Yesterday, but he's not waiting to see. Asking. But you know what? Guys also judge situations this way. If I do request a buyout, do I already have a landing spot? I mean, oh, Kurt, yes. it really is curious. As soon as guys get bought out, immediately they're linked to a team. They know that what they're oh, giving yeah. up and what they're getting instead. Russell Westbrook seemingly from the get-go knew he was going from the Clippers. Kevin Love, when he came to that decision – I think on a Friday, by Sunday, he was with the Heat and he had reached his agreement. So he knew where he was going. So the thing with Derrick Rose is, unless maybe it's Chicago and the, and the point guard depth you spoke about, but they got Patrick Beverly already. So they're going in a different direction there. That might be the only thing I can see. We know also that Derrick Rose is so closely tied to Tibbs that if Tibbs is going to have yes. playoff success, I think Derrick Rose would just want to be there for that. And then there's another subset of players. This is where Cody Zeller came from. This is where DeMarcus Cousin lives and even Dwight Howard when he comes back from Taiwan. If you haven't been in the NBA this season or if you've only been on 10-day contracts, you're eligible to be signed anytime. You don't need to be waived by March 1st because you're not on a roster on March 1st. So there are the overseas guys. And we do see this every now and then, end of the season, a guy we totally forgot about because he was in France or Spain or Italy or just playing somewhere else overseas, Russia, where he comes back and he joins a team. So that subset is still there. Yes, you still can sign DeMarcus Cousins. You still can sign Dwight Howard. You can sign any player who's been out of the NBA, like Cody Zeller, might come back. And certainly Cody Zeller shocked the hell out of us for a guy who hasn't played since January 2022, that he still has his legs because some guys care enough. 
So I want to go to this because that leads to another thing here. See, Dollar brings this up. He goes, I was expecting a regular, better regular season. I kind of blame Jimmy and his load management thing when you look back at this all. Kurt Heal and Jimmy Butler has missed 15 games in the 82-game season, which means he's going to finish playing about 68 games, 67 games. Isn't that sort of what you expect these days? In other words, is that the kind of number you look at and you go, how dare you? Or is that the kind of number you look at and you go, eh, that's an NBA star in his 30s, and that's sort of what I expect? I think it's the latter now. I think as much as we get frustrated with that, and by the way, it's, it's a conversation for another day. This is team-driven at points with some teams. And I, Jimmy's got his guys, but the Heat have all their people. They track stuff. They're telling him to sit certain nights too because they are trying to save him for the postseason. It's not all on the player. Um, I think that with most stars, especially older stars, it's a little different if you're talking about, I don't know, John Morant or something. Yeah, you're, if, you get, if you get 70, 65 to 70 games for a guy 29 or older, that's kind of the number now. And it's kind of messes, by the way, with stuff like, I mean, it's been an issue in MVP voting, right? It's been with Embiid not playing as many games as Jokic has been a, a deciding factor. Like, it matters. But if you've got Embiid and you're trying to win in the playoffs, like, hey, if I get 65 games out of him and hit the postseason healthy, that's good. Do you think what they're talking about, and I know the Players Association has even been in talks with the NBA about this, a minimum number of games for NBA postseason mm. awards, which also are tied to a lot of player bonuses. Are you in yes. on that? I'm curious how they handle that. I think it with I think with some awards, and I'll just say this as, as a voter, with MVP, with Defensive Player of the Year, I don't think – games played, and I actually use minutes. Minutes played matters just because how valuable you are to your team in those roles depends on you actually physically being on the court where I think with some other stuff, it'd be interesting with, I I'm more lenient with all NBA just because I picture that as a snapshot of the theoretically, you know, 15 best players in the league who are the three best centers, who are the six best forwards. And I'm a little more forgiving, not like, Hey, you played 30 games forgiving, but a little more forgiving there just because hey, LeBron didn't play in as many games, but when he did play, he was fantastic, and he kind of deserves that. You know, I, I you're a little more giving there. And we'll I see. like your point about minutes, and John Hollinger even mentioned this, or else a player's going to go on the court for one minute like Giannis did in the All-Star game. Yes. He's an All-Star. 20 seconds later, he's out of the game, so you can finagle that. For example, the Heat's final game of the regular season might be minute, meaningless. It's against the Orlando Magic here in Miami. So if a player like Jimmy needed to reach the 70 games threshold, if that was in play, which is not this year, yeah, he would just go out on the court and step off. So I agree that your minutes probably mean more than games, even though by playing that kind of game, it brings all your averages down. But I also think there's another factor there. I'm not so sure that a 33-year-old Jimmy Butler gives a rat's ass about being third-team All-NBA versus no. preserving his body for the playoffs. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And he's, yeah, I think there's a lot of players in that mode. So I, I just think that I, I know what they're trying to do to get players play more. I think it's sort of like what the Steve Kerr's of the world say. You can change the schedule however you want. Yeah. But if I see one of my guys is tired and coaches will never see this and I see the team we're playing stinks, I could do it. Or the team we're playing is great 
and we're not going into Boston or going into Milwaukee yeah. and, or going into Denver at altitude and winning anyway. So I'm going to sit my guy. So there will be those considerations whether the season is 82 or 72 or 62 games. I think it's just where we are now with all these performance coaches trying to get the most out of their players and out of their teams. So we've gone through all the heat possibilities. We've gone to the chat board as much as I can get here. Uh, we know today's the buyout deadline. By next Wednesday show, sort of most of the rosters will be filled. Want to get to the Heat's upcoming schedule because to me it's fascinating. I'm going to go a little further out than usual. First of all, the Heat, when they played Philadelphia on Monday, had 21 games left in the regular season. The projection there was that the Heat needed to go 14-7 and seven to assure themselves of a play in, play off, not play-in spot. So the point I'm trying to make as I go through the schedule with Kurt Heal and from Pro Basketball Talk right here is splitting series is not enough for the Heat. 500 won't be enough to assure playoff versus play-in. Tonight, Philadelphia 76ers, Miami Dade Arena, formerly FTX Arena, formerly American Airlines Arena. <laughs> Can you see the Heat backing up what they did on Monday, or do you see a Philadelphia team saying, damn, we were within one James Harden three-pointer of winning that game. We sure as hell aren't losing two in a row to this team when we're already coming off an emotional loss against the Celtics. Yeah, I think a little more of the latter. I just think you're going to get a more fired up Sixers team. I think it's tough to win in these regular season games. In the regular season where you're not making the same kind of playoff adjustments, I just think it's tough to win two in a row like that. And I think it's almost must win for the Miami Heat for the reason I mentioned. They can't afford yeah. these no, I think it's They need to do something more. And yet I'm not so sure the Heat can get more out of this roster than what they got on Monday. I guess it would mean more Bam, Bam Adebayo offense. It would mean Tyler Hero hitting a better percentage of his shots. But the Heat sort of are who they are. So you have that game tonight. Then we get busy. Friday night against the New York Knicks. We spoke about the New York Knicks in our first That's segment. You can catch that on your big old podcast outlets. The Knicks are in it to win it. We know Tom Thibodeau will play a guy 48 minutes if he has to. The Heat have three games left to try against the New York Knicks to try to make up two and a half. So the Heat know how important it is. Do you consider the Knicks significantly better than the Heat, or do you think we're looking more at toss-up scenarios? More, more, more toss-up. In fact, I think the Heat single-game focused Heat are a better team. Um, they just we haven't. The, the Knicks have been a little more consistent bringing that energy, which is very Tibbs. Um, but I, I, A, I think those are, that's a huge game Friday night. And B, I think that the, I, I think it's more of a toss up. I like, I think these teams are relatively close. And then it gets tougher Saturday night against the Atlanta Hawks here, Monday night against the Atlanta Hawks here before you and I talk again next Wednesday. That again is the scenario I'm talking to you about, Kurt Heelan. Yeah. You need to win both. Can you win both, or does Trey Young go off on one? Does the Quinn Snyder new coach bump finally hit home? How do you look at those two games? I think you, I think you can win both. Um, I, I'm not sure how much – I mean, is it just me? I just don't think Quinn can make that big a difference 60-plus games into the season. Like, he can't – as much as his system is great and, I, and he can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe because of his contract and status now with Trey Young and say, hey – Start playing some team ball. Stop pounding this thing. We're going to do – that's all training camp stuff. Everything he wants to install is training camp stuff. Yeah, I'm so surprised a be... coach like that with a pedigree like that took a job midseason, but I think yes. the money was there. I think to be a coach in waiting would have been a worse scenario for Atlanta, so I agree with you there. The point I'm making is it doesn't get any easier for the Heat. I think a lot of people looking at this stretch and saying eight of nine at home, they can make hay. These are tough, 
critical big games, and we'll be monitoring that for you. But for right now, it's Big O at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, so we'll catch you again next week. I'm Kurt. I'm, I'm not Kurt Heelan. He's Kurt Heelan. I'm Ira Winderman, and this <laughs> is RedRecover.com <laughs> Inside the Paint, and I think I've had enough for today. The Big O Show rolls on. Take care.